C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the millennial divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I am super excited to announce our esteemed guest that is here <laughs> with us today, um, a very dear friend of mine, Katie fazio Turkey. Um, good morning! Good morning! <laughs> um, Foz, can you, I call her Foz, you can call her Katie, just make sure you call her nice things. Um could you start by just introducing yourself, um, telling us how old you are, where you're from, where you live, and, you know, your personal elevator speech? Oh, my gosh. Okay. The personal elevator speech. Great. Hi, I'm Katie Turkey. Yes, Shay knows me as my maiden name, Fazio, from college. Everyone called me Foz, so that's that's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm 35. I just turned 35 January 3rd. So, oh, my gosh. Um, Happy Wait, birthday to me. What? Did, did I send, send you a say happy birthday to you? I don't even remember. Don't even worry about it. I don't okay, even know. I am Who worried cares? about You've it. You've had a lot going on. Worried. Yeah. Don't be worried. Also, happy birthday to Maddie. I'm sure we were going to cover that. Happy birthday, Maddie. <laughs> that is today. Um, where do I live? I recently moved to Boise uh, last, uh, basically fall with my husband after traveling for quite a bit, which I know we're going to talk about. And um, my elevator pitch or speech or whatever you want to say, my bio, um, I'm currently uh, working on applying to the Boise State University master's program for social work. So I'm changing my career for a third time. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, girl. <laughs> yes, which I highly recommend everyone do several times in their life, um, working towards potentially getting into counseling and therapy uh, in the long term. But I'm just having a lot of fun learning more about myself through things like Shay's coaching and just uh, some time off from working and really excited to chat with you guys today. Hey, thank you, Katie. Of course. Great. All right. Well, let us jump into our campfire portion. Shay, do you have a toasty campfire topic for us? Um, Well, I actually am... It's, I suppose this is more of a millennial moment, but it's also a reference back to our deep dive on the wedding industry, and it's my podcast, so <laughs> I can do what I want. Um, but for today's uh, Toasty Campfire, um, I wanted to talk about this thing that I discovered that has changed my life, and I love it so much, and that is I was really stressing about planning uh, my wedding with David, and it wasn't that I didn't you know, wasn't that I haven't been excited to marry him and it wasn't, hasn't been that I don't know how to plan an event. (laughs) It was just that there are so many elements that go into a wedding. And if you're not doing something traditional in a church, which is where most of the weddings I've attended have been, um, you know, how do you incorporate those elements that make a wedding special or, have that kind of ritual component that you get when you're being married traditionally in a church. So there was much like wailing and gnashing of teeth (laughs) because I didn't know what to do. Um, And then finally I had this light bulb and I was like, maybe there is a person out there whose whole job is to help me figure this out. And that's how I found coach Nicole from Zilla brides. uh, And she is literally a wedding coach. Like her whole job is to just like talk you through this stuff and figure out like what are the elements that you want and she doesn't I mean I think for some of her clients she does do like the actual coordination and planning um but I was like I did not even know this industry existed and it fills such of this really particular niche um and I I just thought it was a kind of an interesting addendum to our deep dive on the wedding industry so that's so interesting um, yeah like what um like, how did she get into the business? Like, was she a wedding planner or is she more like a therapist? Like, is she, she a counselor or like she just loves weddings? 
I think she just loves weddings. And actually, this makes me kind of want to invite her to be on the podcast. Yes. Oh, my God. Great idea. Great idea. Because I have just been talking about myself in the three hours we've spent on the phone so far. Um, (laughs) But I would. I'm I'm impressed. I think she's been in event planning for most of her career. I'm impressed that you guys were able to get so much accomplished even in three-hour conversation. I'm telling you. It helps to talk to someone who doesn't know your life and it doesn't have a stake in it is a literal genius. I just, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. And then three hours later, I was like, wow, everything is figured out. I love you. And I don't have to stress anymore. And everyone should hire her. She does work with couples uh, nationwide. So we will link to her. I think that's like the funny thing, because we were talking about this before we were recording that like, the outcome that you guys came to, which we don't need to get into was, Mm -hmm. I think, if you had asked all the people in your life, that's the solution that they would have all said is the easiest. Yes. Foz is also yes. shaking her head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, to me, it's, it's one of those like services where it's just nice to like have someone who has the expertise and doesn't have the skin in the game, but mm-hmm. you probably already had that conclusion in your mind at some point, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also, you know, this is always the advantage of dealing with an expert is that they're able to, put the language and the vocabulary to something that makes it make sense, you know, or they're able to put the structure to it or whatever it is that um, the client needs to kind of see the solution. And I just really, really appreciated it. And, you know, it's also made me think um, back to our conversation with uh, Jenny Mainpa, who uh, Katie has also connected with Um, when yes. uh, Jenny was talking about the difference between therapy and coaching, because yeah. like a lot of times I joke and I'm like, I'm a business therapist or whatever. But one thing that was, was probably one of, for me, the most impactful moments in the podcast uh, from 2019 when now that I say this, I'm like, wait, did Jenny say this on the podcast or did she say this in the subsequent private conversation she and I had? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Either I'll share with you now. But you talked about the difference between therapy and coaching and why they go hand in hand and why coaching is actually so powerful because it was something that I've always like, I never liked branding myself as a coach. I kind of was always like skeeved out by working with the whole idea of a coach. Um, But she talks about how therapy examines how your past affects your present and coaching is about how your present will influence your future. And I was like, Jenny, this is so insightful um but yeah they kind of go hand in hand they're both helpful but that's why my first question too because I think some coaches tend to be more like about the feelings and getting you to process the feelings and then some coaches are more like let's put together an actual like action plan game plan well we have just gotten through the feelings part (laughs) and now I think we're starting on the game plan part so we'll see we'll see how it goes and I will excellent yeah I'm very (laughs) interested in this how much if you're comfortable sharing how much does she charge because I'm always curious about that too as I've been saying I my number one feedback for her when she's too cheap (laughs) she asks me to do her thing is that she needs to double her price um wow maybe because I've already gotten such uh value out of it but I'm paying total about a thousand dollars for 15 hours of work plus a site visit that is really cheap yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, she definitely should and, hire you next as her business coach. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um yeah. So anyway, so that was just I thought kind of an interesting tie-in, you know, personal moment for me, but also an interesting tie-in with some things that we have been talking yeah. about on the podcast over the past few months. I think it's definitely a millennial thing to reach out. Like I think maybe in generations past, mm-hmm. people would just either flounder alone and not get to an optimal solution or like take advice from people especially with weddings it's hard because everyone has a vested interest like if you ask me what I want it's not obviously I want what's best for you but it's also like people are very selfish and they want to be involved you know so like I think weddings in particular it's nice to have that impartial person but I think either in the past weddings were just prescribed there was no option to not do something traditional yeah um, yeah. no options or people just kind of suffered in silence and millennials have been called the therapy coaching generation whatever you want to call it so yeah 
I just well, wouldn't I have even that, think that that existed as I like a service. I wouldn't have either. I looked up a wedding coordinator and she just, I mean, it was like a gift from God. And, yeah. she, and it was, I mean, it was smart marketing on her part because she had wedding coach. But, you know, I think this kind of on her website and it brings up this thing about, you know, in America, I think we're so enamored by this idea of bootstrapping everything yeah. that we do it almost to the point of a fault um, where I see so many businesses flounder and spend actually end up spending more time and money than they would have otherwise if they hadn't just called in an expert. And I think that goes whether it's for your business, for your life, for a specific thing that you need help with in your life. It's like, why wouldn't you, for a minimal yeah. fee, call in an expert? And I and I do think there are a lot of charlatans out there too. But No, it's um, true. I've been dealing with this yeah. for grad school because now I'm in for Foz and the listeners benefit I've been on this saga for the past like eight months trying to get into grad school and I like took the GMAT it was like an abysmal failure and then I took some time off from it and now I'm in this program specifically to get women into MBA school and you're in like a cohort of people and they like help you prepare for the test whatever so like that just started but I was talking even with this program which like it does cost money I paid $600 which I still think is pretty cheap for the level of support and stuff that I'm getting. But um, I was talking to a coworker and she just joined my company like a month or two ago and she graduated from Harvard Business School. So I was like, oh, I want to talk to her. And she <laughs> was like, my biggest advice, and it's becoming more and more common, is hiring in addition to doing the program that I'm doing that already costs money, hiring an admissions consultant, which can be. Mm-hmm. And she was like, in the grand scheme of things, like Harvard Business School is $150,000, probably more if you factor in all the like traveling and all the other costs. And so she's like to spend an additional five to $10,000, it's going to be a drop in the bucket on the eventual price tag. And I was like, well, when you put it that way, it makes sense. But like also, you know, and the consultants, they don't do your application for you. But it's kind of a coaching process of like, talking Mm -hmm. about yourself to do the essays, like, figuring out what how your profile matches with the schools and stuff so it's a little bit I think more coaching but I was like very skewed out about it because I'm like I applied to college completely on my own I didn't even have like my parents read my essays at all like I was very much the bootstrapping mentality but now that I'm thinking about it I'm like if it gets to the eventual outcome that I want it'll be worth the money in the end so I don't know I'm like toying with it but We shall see. It's a little bit like scary to think about the fact that you even need that or like the yeah, I'm yeah. like listening to you talk about these resources that you're employing. And I'm lucky in the sense that I don't have to take a standardized test to get into the master's of program I'm applying for. But if I did, I would be in a totally different yeah. situation because I'm a terrible test taker in terms of those bigger exams. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, I'm just sitting back listening to how frustrating that must be for you to think. I mean, I can't do this on my own and I'm going up against in- incredible competition. Um, the education system and everything like that is a totally different topic we don't have to get into yeah. today. <laughs> no, it's and true. It's getting more and more college. competitive. And the average score right. is like a score that I got when I said it was an abysmal failure. Like that's a score that would have gotten you into a top program 20 years ago. So the scores are getting higher and higher. Wow. So then you have to do more to differentiate yourself. Um so anyways, I'm I'm interested, though, before we move on topics, because, Foz, you've been married. How was your kind of yeah. process to figuring out, did you do something more traditional? Did you have a she coordinator? She's actually a big inspiration for what <laughs> I'm doing. Fun. I'm so glad. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it kind of a couple things that I saw from friends getting married is I and, and this is still happening and even Shay, I'm sure, can relate. Um, once you are engaged, you see some really almost like upsetting things. There's some bad (laughs) sides of people that come out that you Mm -hmm. had no idea about. And I'm not really even talking about my own family. My, my family was incredibly supportive. Crazy friends that will not be named. Oh, I mean, it's not, it's not even like I, I get myself sometimes included, (laughs) i.e. pressuring Shay to let me be her flower girl. (laughs) Two years guys. Literally like right when she met David, before I had even met him, I was like, (laughs) I'm going to be the flower girl at your wedding, which I'm sure he thinks about <laughs> fondly. Anyways. I love it. And I think you still should, but it's, it's, it's a lot about how people are going to project like their expectations onto you, or they have something in mind mm-hmm. that you are like, that doesn't line up at all with my vision. So 
Nick and I were really lucky in that both of our parents were really supportive. So, um, you know, his mom and my parents were, were like, do whatever you want. Um, what that resulted in is a lot of like brainstorming between the two of us. We, I think if you asked me like five years before I got married, I probably saw like the traditional ceremony plus a reception right after. But Nick actually had the idea. Um, once we decided we wanted an intimate ceremony, meaning the actual wedding would be very few people. Um, we started to talk about, well, how do we decide who gets invited to that? And we real, like, again, this is mostly Nick. He thought of all of these ideas where it was like, why don't we put the event on neutral territory? Meaning <laughs> it's, not, it's not literally a war, but like, let's go get married somewhere where no one is from so that. A, everyone's traveling, and mm -hmm. B, we can kind of say this is the, you know, intimate space that, um, you know, we'll be sharing with just our parents and our siblings. That's how we decided to cut it off, just because, you know, I, I, would, I would really have loved also to have a wedding with everyone there, but I knew once you extend one layer and one more layer, it mm -hmm. just becomes like, you might as well invite everybody. Yeah really hard to make those decisions. So it wasn't against any of the people in my family or, or friends, even it was just, this makes the most sense for us. And how do we, you know, truly cut it off. So we kept it to just immediate family for our ceremony, which we did in basalt, Colorado, which is near Aspen. And we just rented an Airbnb and it was like the best weekend ever. We just all hung out, had uh, mm -hmm. the ceremony on a Saturday in the beautiful 60 degree weather in October. <laughs> it was awesome. And uh, then had a little mini honeymoon in Aspen where it snowed. So we got like the best oh, nice. of everything. <laughs> um, but much like what Shay is, you know, you know, considering right now is we had then parties that kind of catered to different friends and family, <clears throat> given where they would be able to travel to. Mm -hmm. So most of my family is in Florida. So we had a really big party in Florida. And then we had a party in Chicago for all the friends to travel to. Um, and there was a little overlap of who came to what, but it ended up being awesome. Like it was, I, I look back on it and I'm so thankful a, that we were able to have three events, um, that really, when you roll them up cost just as much as mm -hmm. a normal wedding. Yeah. Um, but, but B that we were able to like spend the time with the individuals and I got to talk to everyone and dance with everyone and, you know, enjoy a couple long weekends with people that we really cared about. So, uh, it was awesome. I highly recommend it. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Well, yeah, I think that's I like it. the best. It's a great solution because you get you still get the thing. You're not like sacrificing anything. I think that's like when I no. think about it because a lot of people are like, oh, well, if I limit the ceremony, then I'm losing out on all these other aspects, the memories that you have with friends and stuff like that, or like honoring those mm -hmm. relationships that maybe aren't immediate family or people do it for like extreme cost saving reasons. But to your point, it ends up just costing the same anyways but by Absolutely. breaking it up you don't have you can have that more intimate time with people which is really nice right um, I, yeah. I was thinking I don't know what made me think about this but you know Hannah Caldwell mm -hmm. she's one of the the Kappa girls that I went to college with her sister did something like super non-traditional I think she's writing a book about it or something but she wow. um got married to her husband just the two of them I think they went to like a courthouse or something and maybe had one witness but no no family at all and then they spent they took a month off of work and traveled around the country to every one that was important to them or they went to the cities and then had like a small get together oh, wow. there and yeah. they re-performed their vows in front of people and she said that was like the most powerful thing because sometimes it would be like just one friend in a city. So you're like redoing your whole wedding vows just oh, in front wow. of that one oh person. Gosh. And then some of them, like they went to her hometown and her parents like threw like a bigger party. So that was more like traditional, but some of them were like these very intimate, just like, so that was the traditional element that they had throughout, but that was their like mm -hmm. honeymoon time too, was like traveling around the country. And it just seemed very awesome. Like I would never think to do that. Yeah. That's incredible. That's yeah. inc I haven't heard of that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Like the traveling as opposed to making people travel to you, you travel to them. So interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So awesome. All right. Um, moving on. My hot topic. Um, I don't have anything specifically prepared. It It is my birthday today. I haven't really done Happy anything birthday, at all. Happy birthday. Thanks. I went out with some friends. Um, pretty 
pretty low key. Um, and then more celebrating happening next month in Florida. I guess that's kind of a millennial moment. I was like, I've been trying to plan this thing very low key. My parents just bought a house in Florida and for like a long time, up until like two weeks ago, I just texted Shay about this because I kind of was like, no pressure to people. I invited like 12 people, assuming like a couple maybe would come and it would be very low key. And up until like a month ago, no one had, or not even a month ago, like two weeks ago, and it's happening in a month, like no one, everyone was RSVPing no. And I was like, I'm going to end up going down there by myself or having to cancel it. And then in like a one week span, now there are eight people coming. And so it's going to be like a very diverse group of friends like people coming from all over the country so it ended up being like a really nice thing i think um 26th birthday yeah it's my golden birthday turning 26 on the 26th (laughs) i know i feel like i haven't gotten much sympathy from anyone but definitely (laughs) turning turning 26 feels different from 25 25 i was like this is officially in your late solid yeah but like 26 feels weird maybe because it's only been like 12 hours that I've actually been 26 and then all my (laughs) friends like Laura who just turned 30 she's like I have no sympathy for you whatsoever um but yeah you're in that other half the upper half half of the 20s maybe that's what's different it's sort of like you're approaching 30 so yeah yeah, I think it's also maybe that's what's different and this is kind of more of a millennial moment too but I feel like I still feel like everything is very up in the air so like getting married for example like I have had a lot I feel like 25 26 because I didn't go to school in like a small town I didn't really have any friends that got married like right out of high school so I feel like 25 26 is when a lot of my friends are starting to get engaged and um Corey and I have lived together for a long time but I'm like we're like it's not even anywhere close to that but like if I got engaged now I don't think anyone would be surprised like Corey and I have lived together for three years like we're old enough that it's not shocking it's not like a 20 year old when they get engaged that's a little shocking to me at least depending on where you're from or like if I got pregnant or something and decide to keep it no one would be like look at this teen mom but that's like how I see myself you know what I mean so I'm like you feel any better I still feel like if I got pregnant I would basically be a teen mom and I'm like rapidly approaching 40 so don't worry it doesn't go away (laughs) <laughs> uh, I can't wait. Remember when we were like, we're going to have an apartment, baby. Yes, that was more your... your I was like, I wish. like babies. I just don't want to have any responsibility whatsoever. So there's an article, I'll bring it up maybe in our next episode about how, because I didn't actually read it yet. I just, the headline, I was like, oh, that's good. I'll save it for later. But I guess more and more women are adopting babies with a friend and they're literally having apartment oh, wow. babies. So this oh, is wow. like a trend. Yeah, I will actually read the article and report back, but uh, yeah, that was very interesting. Well, that's like what um, like Jenny's sister Becca was going to do. She was going to have a kid on her own and then make a friend like the other legal guardian. But now she's engaged to a guy and they're going to do it the, the old fashioned way. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's super it's super interesting. It goes back to like the tribal, like how best to raise kids. But yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's terrifying. And I think this brings up your point, Foz, about when people do get engaged, it's like, it triggers, I don't know what it is. It's like a primal instinct, but it like triggers something in people's minds. I don't know yeah. if it's just because there's so much pop culture about weddings, or it's just something that a lot of people think about, or it's like a big milestone in life, but mm-hmm. it's just like, it signals something very big to people. And then they kind of go insane, I have found, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. know how to explain what it is other than they just have their own ideas. And it would be probably true if you had a baby or other like life milestones. Oh, I'm sure it's like there 10 quite... times worse if you had a baby. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone just sort of has, well, this is how I assumed you would do it. Like I remember someone even saying to me when we did go on the road, oh, like, Boz, I could never picture you doing that. this as the person I know you as today. So it's mm-hmm. sort of interesting how, like, we all have a perception of ourselves, but others also have a perception of what you can and cannot do and maybe how you should do things. Yeah. It's very interesting. That. Well, is that a good segue? Or, Maddie, did you have more? Nope, that's it. I was going to talk about the Oscars and movies that I saw recently, but 
well, we can talk about that later. We can do a um, special episode. Yeah. But, um, do you have a hot topic, Foz, or should we go right into the on the road interview? Ready, ready to go on the road. Okay. okay. Well, so, tell us the journey. Tell us the journey, but hold on one second because I gotta turn my space heater off. Oh. Okay. All right. I've returned. Okay. Hello. So, Welcome back. Tell us this journey. So you were traveling for how long? How did you decide? Where did you go? And what did your life look like before? Because yeah. I think yes. this is what really is why people were like, Foz is doing what? What's what? happening yeah. right now? Yeah. Yes. So please feel free to interrupt me because there's so much to cover. <laughs> or like so, It is really nice to have the, the before, during, and after kind of um, mm. information. But um, as Foz and Maddie know, my, my previous life was working in Chicago for 10 years. And I um, started out in a marketing career uh, and then moved into my last job in Chicago, was working for a custom menswear brand. And um, during that time, actually like right before that job, I met uh, my now husband, Nick, and um, the two of us moved in together, all that good stuff. So we were very much starting our life off as um, just even as a couple before we were married. And we always kind of knew we wanted to live somewhere else other than Chicago. It was something we discussed. Um, we're both not from there. So I grew up in Michigan and Nick grew oh up God, in Pittsburgh. Same. Yeah, I know. We probably covered yeah. this, but I, I'm a Detroiter, yeah. like suburbs of Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew that you know, Chicago was awesome. It was particularly awesome for, um, our twenties and we spent the beginning of our thirties there as well. Kind of, as we met, we were both turning 30 when we met and we just kept that conversation open. So at, there was sort of like a pivotal turning point for both of us where we realized we had kind of grown as much as we could in the roles we were in working wise. So professionally, we had, you know, we had learned a ton from the companies we were deciding to then leave um, and knew that, hey, this might be a really good time to uh, not only leave our jobs, but like, let's move somewhere else. We have we have the opportunity. So we both um, quit our jobs in 2018. Is it now 2020? Yeah, we both quit in 2018. And we had Really, uh, the only reason we stayed in Chicago for a bit was we had a lease that we needed to um, complete. So we were uh, quitting and we still had six months to go in our lease. So I actually hired Shay to help me with that transition and understand, okay, I'm going from a life in like a fashion, you know, company where it's very fast paced and it's a, you know, got a certain culture over here to I'm now full-time doing whatever I want, um, you know, working on myself for those so six was, months. So was the and plan at yeah. that point, you guys hadn't decided to start traveling yeah. yet. It was just like a period of exploration. Exactly. I knew like when I hired Shay, all I knew is that I wouldn't be working and that Nick was going to be soon to follow. So he worked a few more months after I had quit and then, you know, decided to um, take a step back from his job. So all we knew was we have six months where we need to be here. Like, what do we want to do? And so through talking to Shay and just even, you know, Nick and I having a lot of conversations about what, what is next? Um, I kind of had the idea like, okay, we know we want to live somewhere else, but we always knew it was sort of out West. We got married in Colorado. We had this calling um, for a different type of life lifestyle where you have activities that you can do outside of like drinking and eating, which Sorry, Chicago. I love you to death, but that's a lot of what there is to do because yeah. the weather is too unpredictable. It's just, you know, yeah. I, I applaud my friends that are runners. I had, you know, that they would be outside every day. That just wasn't me. Um, I need alternatives to that. So, um, through a lot of discussions, I, you know, finally kind of came to the idea of what if we went on the road and just visited all the potential places we might want to live. And there was actually, I don't know if you guys saw in the New York Times, the article about dating a city before you move there. Mm-hmm. No, but um, I love that concept. Yeah. Yeah. Especially um, for, you know, this coaching conversation. Um, that was really like this awesome idea. Like, okay, we don't have to commit before seeing what it's like. So and before you even got to that point, yeah. how did you guys, because obviously you were living off of savings, like 
Yeah. Are you guys just really good at saving? Because to me, like, if I quit my job, I would be like, I would be out of money in six months. (laughs) No, absolutely. That was a whole conversation before we quit our jobs was like, how long can we live on savings? And then what do we need to do to supplement that? Um, so I'm really lucky that like, you know, I've really been able to save, um, Nick was in a career path that was, you know, allowed him to save, um, and, you know, just really well. And it's also come, came down to the choices he made, um, and that I made, like we both, um, you, you know, you maybe you see friends who are going on like super extravagant vacations or, you know, buying a car, buying a house. We had had none of those expenses mm-hmm. by age 30. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have, you know, they've, they've bought a house by then or, you know, have two cars or whatever it is. We had no car, no house. We were just paying rent, whatever it was. So that just made it really like black and white. We're like, we know our expenses and we know how long, um, we have until we have to both have a dual income again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just examining that really closely, um, was helpful. And then as part of the conversation of, of going on the road, um, it was sort of like, how do we do it? And I, again, the way I remember it is it was my idea, which probably a lot of my close friends are like, you're crazy. I was like, let's get a truck and a trailer and go on the road. Like, let's get a motor home. Let's be completely on the road full time. Um, and we did, and we committed to that. And it was after that decision, we left maybe like three months later, we were driving away from Chicago with like a few belongings in the truck that we had bought going to pick up our trailer, which, um, it's a quite a nice trailer. It has a bedroom and like a <laughs> it bathroom. A like it's, yeah. it's quite a thing. It was, I mean, we were really lucky we, could, we were able to get one brand new. Um, but also these things are very like in the, in the scheme of things are quite affordable. Like I had no idea how much this stuff would mm-hmm. cost and it's really not that bad. So we were able to make it our home and we did it for a total of six months. So yeah. So how did you decide? Did you, awesome map it out before you left of like, these are all the spots that we want to hit. And I'm assuming you probably went to places just to visit friends and family that maybe you knew you didn't want to live. Right. So there was the initial like, okay, where do we even think we might want to live? And Colorado was always high up there. We have a ton of friends in Denver, especially because Nick went to school at Boulder. And so we thought that would be likely where we would end up, but we put several other cities we had heard about on the list. We consulted everyone we knew. We were like, where should we go? Where have you loved traveling to? Um, Wanted to be really open. And then the other thing we did, like total side note that I think Shay helped me with was going through, um, what do we want in the city we pick? So Mm -hmm. before we even got on the road, we had to define what are our like requirements. And we did that separately and then came together and we realized we both had the same 10 requirements but then we ranked them and found that we had like very different rankings. <laughs> That's like, so interesting. Right, right. Like we both share the priorities, but like one of my number ones was proximity to an airport mm-hmm. because I have family all over the country and I was like, I need to be able to get the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> like where I want to live somewhere that I can still travel. Um, Cause we were talking about some cities that were more remote yeah. and just small populations versus Chicago being a super easy city to travel to and, go to and from so and what were some of your husband's priorities that were different yeah um he was really and he still is um interested in somewhere we could buy land Mm. so somewhere that still had um access to like places that were undeveloped yeah and that we could settle like you know create our own um (laughs) compound if you will (laughs) where where we could you know have people come stay with us have like a little bit of like farm, maybe some garden area, but also I really want animals. Yeah. So that was, that was probably his number one. And then for both of us, a top one was just like job opportunities. Like we knew wherever we were going yeah. also um, needed to have, like, for example, Nick works completely online right now. And so we needed to have good internet. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite places is Durango, Colorado, and their mm-hmm. internet sucks. And they talked about it openly. Like we talked to local people and they were saying, oh yeah, you cannot have a remote job here because it's, so the work isn't consistent enough. Right. It, yeah. they, they have the internet. You yeah. know, it's not like that, but it's, it's bad enough that but people are like, they don't do that there. I told you, uh, Katie, how my dad, so that there was this particular politician who yes. 
who basically campaigned to have a high speed line run to Ridgeway, which is where my dad lives, which is about two hours from Durango. Yep. And um, so the whole Western slope of Colorado doesn't have high speed internet, except for this tiny town of 900 people where my dad lives. Yeah. They're going to, well, they still haven't run it yet. I saw them laying the line when I was there. Christmas. Okay. But I thought that that is crazy that there are still places like that in our country. You know, I just, you just assume everyone can work remote from anywhere, you know, and I think that whole, that's why I think the whole digital nomad thing is a myth, but Mm -hmm. anyway, go on. So no, it's, it's a great point. It's, we just realized how hard it was because the other thing we did a lot of was when we were traveling, we would stay on, um, Bureau of Land Management land, BLM. Mm -hmm. So places where you can park for free, um, and you can be, be there for up to 14 days often without having to move. So we were often without internet. So ideally you pick a campsite where there's a cell signal so you can get your, um, Wi-Fi connection to be your hotspot or to your hot to become mm-hmm. your Wi-Fi. So that, yeah, that was a whole separate thing. I can. So you guys kind that. of did this prioritization before you yeah. went and then kind of mapped out. Yeah. So like, what were some yes. of your top, top places that you wanted to check out? Or maybe yeah. some, I'm interested too, like in places that you had thought like, oh, this, this will be good. And this will fit in with our priorities that you ended up going there. And it wasn't what you thought it was. Sure. So I thought Bozeman, Montana was for sure uh, going to be John Mayer the answer. I want to be his neighbor. <laughs> so we could have been John Mayer's neighbor. My but, friend Ricky just um, went there because her boyfriend, her new boyfriend is a pilot and he was there for a period of time. It looked very beautiful. Oh, but really? anyways, it, continue. It, it is it is gorgeous. They have access to the mountains within you know five minutes. You can be on like a beautiful hike. And that was also one of our top priorities was, you know, we're like, we're leaving Chicago for a reason. We want to be somewhere where we can have a very different physical lifestyle. I want to be out on the trails, like almost year round. Mm -hmm. And so Bozeman has that, um, Bozeman's like in general, that city is exploding. It is already surpassed as far as real estate. It's, um, I think now Boise is insane. We can get to the real estate here in a minute, but um, in Bozeman, there isn't much left in terms of like affordable housing, I would say. Like if you're buying a house, it is one of the more expensive markets in the U.S. Um, and then I liked it overall, but we were looking for like a certain vibe in the downtown. And I really noticed that Nick wasn't wasn't feeling it. Like he, we both had a really good time while we were there, but he kind of compared it to like He's like, this is sort of like Boulder 10 years ago. Like this doesn't feel quite what we're looking for. Maybe not as authentic, kind of felt more, um, I guess, like new, like it was still developing. I don't know. I'm not doing a great job of describing it, but it was sort of like a feeling. Mm -hmm. Like I very much felt this way when I went for, you know, a college search. Like when I got into a campus, I just kind of knew, like I chose John Carroll and I was like, I love it here. I can feel it. In Bozeman, neither of us felt it. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have that vibe. So um, that had been one of our top choices, but Boise was always on the list. And by the way, I am i don't know if people notice how I say it, but B-O-I-S-E, everyone says, if you're not from here, Boise. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the cor- correct way to say it is Boise, like S-E-E. So that not took a lot of getting used to. not Z-E-E. Exactly. Boise. Yeah. Boise. 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 But I also feel like a five-year-old girl. I'm like, Boise? It just sounds so weird. It's so interesting because my <laughs> my I... aunt and uncle, they were moving from Pittsburgh. Um, my uncle got a new job. Oh, yeah. And he works at um, Albertsons and they're based out of Boise. And Oh, they are? Because mm-hmm. they're everywhere. I'll say that much out here. <laughs> yeah, their corporate office is... Um, so like all of their like sea level, all of their like corporate people are in Boise. I'm still gonna say it wrong. B- apologize. Um, but they so they also have an office <laughs> in San a, Francisco. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird to say Boise? Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to practice. But so anyway, so they also had <laughs> most of the department that he was covering was also in San Francisco. So they went to um, visit. Idaho and see if they could live there and they had the complete opposite experience they're also I think very different they're much more like city people like they were living downtown in Pittsburgh they like 
more of that like art cultural yeah. stuff versus like the outdoor stuff but she ha- it's very interesting because she had the opposite vibe when she told me she went to downtown Boise and she was yeah. like I just didn't think I could connect with like any of these people it was too remote it was too like not enough cosmopolitan vibes for her so it's interesting that yeah what is how many years ago do you know was she here um like one to two years ago maybe okay so I and I bring that up because within the last five years there's been um incredible growth so if you talk to any of the locals they'll tell you how the last 20 years have changed dramatically um but the last five have been um incredible and uh, my friend uh, Jen Kerala, who Shay knows, um, mm-hmm. she mentioned that on NPR, they were talking about how Boise, the housing market, uh, value of homes have gone up 75% in five Holy years. Crow. Yes. So I'm kicking myself that we didn't get here five years ago and buy a house. It's but also, incredible. I mean, I think, because I'm wondering if you are finding this, um, which is what I'm finding in Portland is, you know, coming from New York to Portland. Portland has, you know, undergone extreme growth in the last 20 years. And yeah. everyone is like, oh, my God, the housing prices. And oh, my God, the the yeah. cost of living. And I'm like, this is still half of what it is in yeah. New York or a quarter yeah. of what it is in New York. So, you know, it's so funny because I'm sure five years ago, you guys could have gotten a plot of land for $50,000. Yep. And yes, maybe now you'll, you'll pay $250,000. But it's still, I think we get so... I don't know, wrapped in yeah. up in like these numbers and percentages. It's like you're still getting a great deal. It's also, I think yeah. like a catch twenty two, and I'm interested in both of your perspectives on this because you both kind of did a similar thing moving across the country. But um, to me, it's like the reasons. It's like a catch twenty two almost that the reasons why these cities are attractive is that they have elements of these bigger cities. Like if you mm-hmm. went to the smaller yeah. city, like you were just describing Bozeman, like didn't have the downtown feel, didn't have the certain vibe. Um, and the reason why it's becoming more expensive is now there's like all these amenities and stuff. Like I even look at where my parents live. My parents still live outside Detroit, which like if you're looking for cheap housing, you can definitely buy fifty thousand dollars <laughs> worth of yeah. land <laughs> in Detroit. Yeah. Um and even then, like the suburbs, like now there's there's an equinox like a mile from my parents in oh, suburban wow. Detroit, like stuff like that, that it's because of, I think, also aging boomers who have money to spend, but also these like younger millennials that are like, yeah, I want it all. Like you want the downtown feel. You want that little movie theater so that you can get culture. You don't want to be so remote. You want to be near the airport, but then also yeah. have access to all this land. That's part of what's driving the prices up too is well, all the amenities. But yeah. I think it's like, again, I think Maddie made a good point. It's this, it's this weird blend because part of, you know, the complaint I think about a city like New York or Chicago is that it's become so homogenized. Right. So like yeah. you traditionally think of, and I don't think, I don't mean to be like, Oh my God, gentrification, but you know, New York, in the nineties was very, is very different than the New York that Maddie lives in and that I lived in. And, you know, it's now there's more and more of this Starbucks on every corner, et cetera. So I guess my point is, is that you can go to a place like Portland or Boise or Salt Lake city, and you can still get that feel of those things that make it unique and yet they're accessible it's not like in new york where a lot of those things that make the city unique are not accessible because of price um so you can still get that feel but you have all those amenities but i think then the catch-22 is what does this look like 20 years from now yeah is it does do we get that homogenized later and and i think that depends on on the city and the people who live there i was just visiting um when i was i go to boulder for a lot for work now and i was in arveda i don't know if you've you guys have been there. It's like a smaller town outside of Denver. And there was this couple friend that I know that literally just moved there from New York for a job. Um, like the week that I was, I was there for work and they like, whenever I go, it's kind of a unique position, right? Because it's so close to Denver. So it's like 20 minutes from Denver. So you still have that like big city feel. Um, but it is like its own kind of small town, if you will. Um, like it has its own downtown area and I go to places like that and I I feel that they're more homogenous than 
New York because mm-hmm. like we were walking around and it's like, there's the bookstore. Here's like the five sports bars. Here's, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, I could see how after living there for a few years, it could get a little one note if that's something that you're looking for. for and sure. that's like a priority. Yeah. Um, So to me, I don't know if it's just because like New York has ruined me, but I feel like if I was going to move somewhere else, it would have to be so distinctly different. And that's how I feel. I'm kind of a snob. Like whenever I go to Philly, I'm like, it's just a shittier (laughs) version of New York, like any big city. I'm just like when I go to Denver too, I'm like, Denver has some unique elements, but I'm just like, it's just a shittier New York. So I think something like maybe a Boise I've never been or like, I think Salt Lake is very unique actually because there's a ton of jobs and it's you can be on the ski hill 20 minutes from the airport which is super mm-hmm. unique I think so I think there's some elements there but when I'm walking around a small downtown and people are like here's the bookstore and the cool restaurant and I'm like yeah I live in New York there's a bunch of cool bookstores and restaurants like this is not well, what's appealing to me <laughs> you know I, I don't think know when you move to a town like that it's more it's more about the way that you can tap into a consistent community I think over yeah, it's like the small town vibes. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's I think it's more about that than more about like, oh great, they have one good restaurant. Um, but it was interesting because yeah, that's how my I, friend was describing it. Like she was like, oh, we were yeah. looking for a place that has culture like New York, and I'm like, the place oh no, you know what cool. I mean. So, <laughs> yeah. anywho, I'm interested though. So you you settled on Boise, but what were the other kind of top choices, and what yep. what took them off the list for Not you? All, like. Like, again, all the state of Colorado yeah. was on the list. We didn't have, like, any I – mean, we knew maybe, like, close to Denver would be nice. Um, and we spent – we actually spent a month in Denver um, thanks to our friends, uh, Margie and RJ. They let us stay in their house while they were out of town for the month. And that was awesome because we kind of used that as a home base to then go from uh, Denver to Boulder, Evergreen, Lions, like, all these surrounding – areas and really explore because Denver airport is a great resource to have. Mm -hmm. If if you have access to it, you can go anywhere really easily. Um, but we just found there wasn't the right balance of the town and the feel that we were looking for, Mm -hmm. which goes back to what you were saying, um, Shay, about the people Mm -hmm. really affecting Mm -hmm. the decision because they create the vibe. Um, and so we, Colorado, had it in certain towns, much like a Durango, for example, I, I really fell in love with Durango. Um, but the other factors that we had prioritized just ruled it out so easily that it wasn't even like a conversation, mm-hmm. which was really hard. I mean, that was mm-hmm. really hard because it was mid trip that we got to Colorado and we were both like, okay, well, what do we do now? Like we're now dwindling down <laughs> the list. It puts a lot of pressure on places like Boise, for example. Um, but it's really funny once we got here, we spent two weeks at an RV park and really um, were able to like explore the city, explore the surrounding areas and different like s- even small towns outside of here. And it was actually on day one that I knew I wanted to live here. Like Aww. we had, we had this one amazing experience at um, when you guys come to Boise, we have to <laughs> go to this cidery called Merriweather, and mm-hmm. there is a bartender um, at their one of their locations. And she was so warm and spent so much time with us just telling us about why Boise and like she's from there. She lives like she still lives here today. Um, Mm -hmm. Just the like kindness that she extended to us. I was like gut feeling this is it. Like I I was very, um, yeah, yeah, really excited about it. But I I think you guys were kind of like debating the whole like, okay, what are we looking for in a city? And that Mm -hmm. is totally dependent on I think on your age as well and sort of Mm -hmm. um, maybe not. And maybe not actual age, but experiences in life. So Nick and I had lived in like the metropolitan craziness for 10 years. And I thought I would be there almost forever. I was like, yeah. this is amazing. Like, this is the greatest. And then at some point you just realize like you start to maybe prioritize different things and those priorities weren't going to be fulfilled by Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention like the people there are amazing as well. I have the best network of friends and I miss them every day. But I really realized what was more important. And I'm able to get that, like, kindness in Boise that I found in Chicago. Um, Which the other thing I will segue into real quick is that they actually have a whole campaign in Boise around being kind. 
Um, It is so ingrained in the culture here, and it is something that people move here for, that there, um, our former mayor, I think two years ago, launched a campaign. So I think this coming week, that campaign is still happening, and it's like a week of kindness, and it's just, I mean, you can feel it. People will stop at a stop sign and, like, signal for you to go first. Or, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're a pedestrian crossing, there's no crosswalk, they will wait for you. It's mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that you don't realize how important and like how good it makes you feel in life until you yeah. get it back. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, is very nice. Awesome. So after yeah. Boise, where you just like trips over, we found yeah. it. Let's settle down. So that was in July and we went through September. Um, so we, we did keep going. Bozeman was after Boise. Uh, another city I fell in love with that wasn't even on the list is Coeur d'Alene. That's in northern mm-hmm. Idaho. Yeah. Oh, oh god incredible and everyone should go there um it's 30 minutes outside of Spokane so that would have been like a a home base to travel out of but um I could just tell Nick wasn't he, it just wasn't there for him yeah. and there was something mm-hmm. missing and so I didn't push it <laughs> I just yeah. said okay that's fine let's keep going and then I think the only other and probably forgetting some of those top cities that were on there um we did travel through the southwest like Arizona and Nevada and those are like incredibly beautiful states, but I just like weather was a factor, which mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. rules out Bozeman. Bozeman's too cold. Southwest is too hot. Boise is perfect. It's right in the yeah. middle. Yeah. <laughs> Did you look at any yeah. like West Coast at all or not really? I'm only a little salty yep. that she didn't come to Oregon. Shay, <laughs> only a little. Shay, Shay to this day is like, so you're moving to Portland uh, or just <laughs> Oregon, really. And, yeah. and I, you know, we both, when we set out on the trip, were like, we were confident it wasn't California. We'd both traveled a lot of the mm-hmm. state. And we're pretty confident there. Um, the other factor that I'm totally leaving out um, is my sister and her fiance just moved to Salt Lake City. Okay. So I've they're pretty apart. close. Yeah, they're a five hour drive for those of you who do not know, mm-hmm. um, which is which is close when you're out west. Yeah, that's actually like a good distance to have to drive. Um, and during this trip. Uh, I can't remember when they had decided to move, but once their decision was solid um, and I knew that it was happening, I wanted to pick somewhere close to them. And for example, Denver would be like a 10 hour drive Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, You know, just other cities weren't as feasible. And so I've been apart from my sister as far as not living in the same state since we were, since I was 18. Um, so that was, I'm like, that's long enough. I have no family Aww. around me as it is. Yeah. Like I want to be by family. So yeah. while we're still a five hour drive away, that greatly like influenced yeah. where we are. Did you consider okay. Salt Lake too, or not really? Um, she, you know, we did because we ended up staying with them for another month. Um, we did, uh, we did explore it with them and kind of like, you know, get to know it as, as they were getting to know it. But there were just enough factors that like Boise still won. Yeah, we had already yeah. been to Boise. So Salt Lake was already behind as it yeah, yeah. when we got there. It didn't stand mm-hmm. a chance. It's an it's an incredible city, uh, Maddie, like you were talking about. Um, but Boise also has skiing. It's just 45 minutes away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not as epic. It's like a 7,000 foot mountain. Oh, only like 14,000. Yeah. I know. It's a yeah. spoiled mountain. I mean, the Salt Lake so skiing spoiled. is like insane but it's it's world class so you really can't compete with that yeah Um, but if that's i am (laughs) also very happy to have katie a mere eight hour drive or exactly in a jump in an airplane yeah so i mean i don't really have any you know friends from my previous life in the area so i feel like this is very good and you guys can get in your motorhome and come Oh yeah, exactly. you still have the motorhome. So I guess this is a good transition. Like once you settled on Boise, how did you decide yeah. like what you were gonna do for work? You're going back <clears throat> to school. Like do you totally. did you get a place in the like downtown area of the city or are you like a little bit farther out? Yeah. Um we ended up talking kind of earlier, uh towards the end of the trip, um I was feeling like I needed to know more about settling down like I had some like traveling itself gave me like a little bit of uneasiness because I was like oh I, I I now realize I don't like not knowing what's happening <laughs> like it was very fun for six months but there was also like a the last two months I was like okay I kind of want to know what my future looks like and that's just due to my own anxiety but um, I decided uh, we decided we talked and we said you know let's just do this let's commit to living in Boise in the fall and rent a, an apartment that's furnished 
that's like, you know, a short-term lease so that we have the ability to still say no if it's not what we thought it was. So we ended up committing to um, an apartment that used to be an Airbnb. So we, it's completely furnished and we just, um, we moved in, I think like end of September uh, for six months. We're still here. That's where I'm sitting right now. Um, And just decided like, let's, let's give it a shot or whatever. So again, right off the bat, when we moved in, we were like, so happy. It is a, the location is called the North end, which is like equivalent to maybe like Lincoln park of Chicago. Mm -hmm. However, my drive to the downtown is five minutes, not 20 minutes. So it's hilarious. I can get to the other side of downtown in seven minutes. Um, so many things I could say about like how easily accessible the city is, but, um, so yeah, we're, we're in this apartment for six months. And then as far as working, um, Nick has his own business. And so he's been remained, uh, remote and online, like, you know, it really seamless transition for him. And then for me through like my work with Shay and sort of self-reflection over the trip, I realized I needed to be in a certain type of career that just wasn't going to be um, based on my former education or experience necessarily. So I started talking to different people that I knew were in the counseling field or social work field. And through a lot of their advice, I got like a hard push towards um, getting a master's in social work just because it affords you so many opportunities and you're not limited in the scope of in which you can practice. So for me, that's, you know, kind of where I sit now and, um, talking about getting some, um, like project management based work to fill in the gap until school. So, yeah. (laughs) Were there any other, what are like, were there any experiences while you were traveling that stuck out in your mind? Maybe not focused on where you wanted to live, but just like funny or exciting things that happened. Yeah. Um, there's always like the really great stories about like views that you had or like the incredible sunset and like nature just in general. I mean, that really like when people say it heals your soul, it's no joke. You go to like walk in the woods for 10 minutes and you'll feel so much better no matter what's going on in your life. Um, so that was pretty incredible, but I would say like, I'm a people person. You guys know this about me. I love to connect. I love to like meet others and on the road, we met like the most incredible people. Um, we also realized how many people are doing this full time. So for like Mm -hmm. anyone listening or anyone considering this, this is not that weird. When you get on the road (laughs) and you start camping, um, you meet so many people that are like, Oh yeah, I've been doing this for five years, for 10 years, whatever it is. Yeah. And they totally make it work. We met one couple who every travel, every city that they travel to, they just find temporary work. It can even be like working at a festival and handing out tickets or whatever it is. They just, and the other thing I'll say about living on the road is it's cheap. It is Mm -hmm. not expensive though. The most expensive thing is just like your maintenance of your vehicles. Um, I met people living in a, you guys know, conversion vans, like a, um, sprinter vans, like, like Mercedes makes them dodge, whatever they, um, convert those into a home and they live out of those full time. And so maybe the the takeaway I'm actually driving to now that I did a little thinking is that you also realize like how little you need. Yeah. So we lived with like our trailer is 26 feet, which is pretty big. Um, it has a bedroom area that you can block off for sleeping. And then it even has bunk beds, which are next to the bathroom. Mm. And the van life people were like, oh, you live in a mansion. Yeah. Like they make fun <laughs> of the people with the pull behind trailer because yeah. that's a mansion compared to their like bed and little compostable toilet, which is, yeah, again, another story for another time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you realize how little you need and then how life is so different for so many people. And you think that we all need to be like wrapped up in our job and our, um, the things you think are important, just like kind of float away. Um, because you realize you can really do this like totally unique lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is I met, um, this wonderful woman, Liz, uh, she works for a company called Campendium and it's all about free camping 
throughout the country and they're like reviewed sites and and she's great. I just wanted to give her a quick shout out. Oh, cool. (laughs) I'll send this to her. Did you have to do a lot of research beforehand of like finding out where to stay or did you kind of just like figure it out as you went, like what the campsites are, like where? We had been given some advice to not plan it too much because you might happen upon a town where you're like, oh, I didn't think we would like it here and now we want to stay for a week. So, um, again, for anyone who might do this, like it does help to not plan because things like Campendium, it, it, it also has an app where you can just go on and say, I'm in Salt Lake city today and I need a place to stay tonight where there's, okay, is it free camping? Is there a cell signal? Um, are there bathrooms at that site? Um, they even review paid RV sites, which are like much different. You have all the amenities accessible if you're paying for a site, most likely. Um, so that was, it was super helpful that we figured out that resource because there were plenty of places that we had no idea where we would be parking. And, um, yeah, yeah. I would just say like, we thought we had to do a lot of research and we were a little nervous once we got started, but it ended up totally working out where we just like we're like flying by the seat of our pants. It was just like, it's great. It's fine. We'll figure it out. Did you run into any unsavory characters? I feel like there's yes. always weirdos at the yes. campsite. <laughs> but I'll say, I'll say not as many as you'd think. Yeah. Like I probably went into it with some judgment, like we're going to have a tough time and it ends up being like some of the nicest people that yeah. you'll meet. Um, so the only time that we, the only time, the, the thing that sticks out for me is we had parked in Sedona and my parents were coming to Sedona to like visit and see us on the road. Mm-hmm. And they kind of did their own little road trip. So they get to Sedona. We pick a free campsite. We spend maybe like 24 hours there before they're going to arrive. And there's a group of people living out of one tent that are likely homeless. Mm-hmm. I even hear a, one of the guys who had been there for at least 24 hours of, of the time that we were there. He was just like drinking by the campfire, listening to music, whatever, not really bothering anyone. Then I hear him get on the phone and he's like, hey, Sally, the Rangers coming by and they're going to kick you out of here. And like, the point of the story is that he was, that wasn't even his tent. He was living out of this woman's tent that wasn't even his and was just oh like on the land. Yeah. So yeah. There, it's just sort of, what ended up happening is he ended up bringing by a bunch of people that had this super loud party. And then my parents are going to come over for dinner. And I'm like, oh, no. I was like this is not typical. Yeah. Like, this typical yeah. experience is not raging on a free campsite um, that are, you know, some, uns- I will say some unsavory characters that we just didn't know. We were still kind of new. And I was yeah. like, yeah. mom and dad, I promise. Like, I think Nick was worried that my parents would think like, what have you done with our daughter? Like, you guys are going to get murdered in the middle Didn't of the Didn't that happen to you and David, Shay, when you went to that campsite and there was that like party going on next oh, door to you? Oh, yeah, that was ridiculous. I mean, that was a little bit different because this was like a paid like state park campsite. Mm-hmm. Um, but David and I went camping and we ended up next to this <laughs> group of men who were... <laughs> I, they were definitely of a different nationality. They were not speaking English. And I know this because Uh they were speaking very loudly until (laughs) 4.30 in the morning. Both, all three, two or three nights we were there. And they had these giant generator powered spotlights that were like, basically, um, it was as if we were like in a football stadium in our (laughs) tent because they were that bright. Yeah, it was terrible. There's the crowd that believes in generator. And then there was like us who we did solar power eventually. Cause mm-hmm. like, no, no generators. They're awful. Yeah. They're so freaking loud. Yes. They ruin camping. There's yeah. no point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> make it so so awful. <laughs> it was a little, it was, that was a funny, funny experience. But oh gosh. Uh, when, I like, went, when we went camping, it was lovely. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had a great, was great time at that luxury campsite. camping. Yeah. Was that East Coast or West Coast? That was, I. we went to Nahalem Bay, which is a West Coast. It's on in the Oregon cool. coast. Yeah. So, nice. um, and it, it was funny because even it was actually sponsored by my Kappa Alumni Association out here. So we like mm-hmm. showed up and I mean, I, uh, this woman, Diane had like booked all of the campsites. So I, you know, I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, oh my God, this is so nice. It had water and, uh, electric at each campsite. Oh, I was like, yeah. this is 
fancy. And that's Maddie and I <laughs> set up our tent and did our campfire. And it was all ladies. And we were very proud it. of ourselves. Yes. So. I love great. it. Yeah. Good awesome. for you. <laughs> right. well, well, any other oh. takeaways before we yeah. Now, just that if you can do the the living on the road, do it. Highly recommend it. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Cool. All right. So our final segment on camp adulthood is our archery range, where we will ask you a series of rapid fire questions. Uh, just answer yeah. whatever comes to mind first. If we ask for a favorite, <laughs> it doesn't have to be the number one favorite. It can just be a favorite. So. Oh my gosh. Okay. okay. Ready. All right, Maddie, <laughs> pick us off. Okay. Favorite book. Oh, so hard. Um, um, the lovely bones. I'm reading another Jodie Picoult right now. Really like her. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, favorite movie. Black Swan. I watched it like mm. six times in the theater. Wow. <laughs> I'm a crazy person. I know it's a weird one. I never <laughs> knew this weird. about you. <laughs> um, favorite place you traveled, but didn't decide to live. So you can't pick Boise. Oh, it's so hard. Okay. Um, Glacier National Park. So I'm trying to think of the city that's up there. Can't remember it, but it's the most gorgeous and everyone should make time to go see it. It's unreal. Love it. Uh, favorite childhood snack? Oreos. Still a favorite. Still. still. <laughs> favorite TV show? Oh, I watch way too much TV. Um, we are finishing up one of the seasons of American Horror Story. Mm, every so actor in that show should win every award it I is know. always incredible and so well done yeah. it's like too scary for me but then i you know, <laughs> watch it because like sarah paulson and you know you, know, like, you should just watch yeah. the season that lady gaga and matt bomer were in because that's like the unreal best. and it it's was not so that scary. scary i had to stop watching it no they oh just my God, like the lady gaga's outfits with oh. the baby vampires it's just oh, like so blood sad. Uh, I like, like the witch season, that the coven. Yeah. That was coven was good. Yeah, we're watching okay. Freak Show. It's my favorite right now. Over. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, it's my turn. Uh, oh God, I don't know why I'm blanking. No rapid fire. Favorite, favorite year in place in Chicago. Oh. oh, like restaurant or literal hangout or whatever. Uh, yeah, you're cool. Oh also so hard in such a big city um trying to think where I spend a lot of time I was always in coffee shops um oh my gosh Shay this is too hard let's (laughs) say okay one of my favorite restaurants is Bavette's it's downtown old like really cool vibe steakhouse and Mm -hmm. super hard to get into um but now that I'm mostly vegetarian I would still go there and eat a steak (laughs) (laughs) love it worth it all right awesome all right well, Kitty, thank you so, so much for joining us. I know you are not on the social needs, but um, if anybody yeah. would like mm-hmm. to ask you questions about going on the road, how can yeah. they be in touch with you? So I do have LinkedIn. It's Katie Turkey, so you can reach out there, or um, I'm happy to give you guys my email to post. Okay. We will share yeah. that with our with our listeners. All right. Awesome. Thank you so thank much. You. This was so fun. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.